0: All right. well hey, let's jump into the message today. So um, those of you that were connected with us last week, um, we were in chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians and we looked at uh, Paul talking about uh, repentance. And that's a word, when we say the word repent, you know, it's like, ooh, it's kind of a weird word, right? It makes you kind of feel awkward, right? Uh, But we learned this truth last week, that true repentance, not just the worldly repentance, true repentance leads to personal revival with God and Restoration with his people. This week we're going to be learning the truth, uh, uh, something that's maybe we don't want to talk about either is this idea of greed, okay? Greed. Uh, Here's the truth that I want you to see. You might want to write this down. Greed enslaves us to live for ourselves, our status, and satisfying our own wants, but generosity frees us to experience God's full blessings. So we look at this idea today of having to be set free from greed and and live a generous life. Now what's interesting about this is, I I don't know about you, but whenever I'm reading uh, like one of Paul's letters or any other thing in the Bible, and I'm always interested in when it goes from one subject to the next and why does it... Sometimes it seems like when you're reading some of the letters, right? You're like, that just seems like a total, a total disconnect. Like he's talking about this one thing and then he gets off on this other thing. Is, is Paul like ADD or something? No, they're, they're, these all connect. This is all connecting letter that he builds one thing after another. Well, in chapter 7, he's talking about repentance, and then he goes into this whole idea of comparing greed versus generosity. And and so one of the questions I had for myself as I was studying this, I was like, why does Paul do that? Why does he talk about repentance and then jump into greed and uh, living generous the next thing? Well, as you know from last time, uh, Paul uh, is talking to the church about repenting, and and there was this issue that was going on. We don't know the full issue, but it it caused a, a wedge between him and the church at Corinth. And before the church repented of their sin, uh, Paul uh, was, you know, really concerned about them following through on other things and doing the right thing. And uh, they, all, they had all these signs of, um, of having selfishness in uh, their church. And um, so Paul came to a place after they repented, this true repentance chapter 7, he's, he came to a place of confidence. He goes, you know, I feel confident that you guys, because you repented of this thing over here that you, I feel confident you're going to do the right thing in this other area I'm getting ready to talk about. Uh, He says in chapter 7, verse 16, I rejoice in everything. I have confidence in you. They had changed their mind about something. And this, he's getting ready to talk about money, okay? They had made a financial vow that they were actually reneging on. And so now he changes his mind I know what, I know that you guys are going to come through on what you promised. I know that through your God-given ability, you're going to actually live generous and not greedy. Now, as we jump into chapter number eight, the first six verses, Paul is sharing something. Now, this thing that he shares was not to give him a guilt trip. It wasn't to try to do some sort of negative comparison, but he basically says this, that there were some poorer churches that were up north, about 200 miles north in a place called Macedonia. There were some poorer churches that were out giving the richer churches. And so he was praising them for their sacrifice, okay? And um, these Macedonian churches were suffering poverty um, because they were being persecuted for their faith, okay? And uh, they, get this, they begged Paul they begged him, Paul, please let us give as much as we can for this cause that you're trying to raise money for. And the cause was this. The church at Jerusalem, the mothership, they were experiencing also economic issues. They were having oppression because of the Roman Empire. And these poor churches in Macedonia are like, please, Paul, please let us give a bunch of money to help the Jerusalem church. Because Paul says, uh, hey, um, they were giving beyond their ability. They were, they were emptying their savings, emptying their supplies. They were selling stuff. And they were out giving the Corinthian church per capita and as a total amount. And so Paul was just praising them. Now, get this about Corinth. Corinth was a very, very wealthy city. They, they had it. They had it going on. You name it, they had it, man. Uh, they had a vibrant economy. They had lots of commerce. And a lot of the people that were members of the church were doing very well financially and not only that, they were very gifted. They had, they, Paul says back in 1 Corinthians, he says, Hey, man, you guys come behind and no gifts. He goes, Man, you guys got more talents, more skills, more gifts than any other church that I know. You guys have got it going on. You're, you're, you're educated, man, you got it. You guys have everything you can bring to the table. And so there was a subtle problem with the Corinthian church greed was happening, they were greedy with their talents. They were wanting to use them all in themselves. They didn't want to use it uh, as much in the body of Christ. They were greedy for attention and praise. They were gr- greedy for bodily pleasure. They had an idolatry with eating and sex. Even so, that, let's, get this, they were suing one another in court so they could get money from one another. That's how bad the situation was in this place. And so it, during this time, about a year before this, they had vowed, they had vowed to Paul and to God that they were going to take up this big collection for the Jerusalem church, and they reneged on their promise. So what does Paul do? Paul, who's really good at confronting people, right, (laughs) he writes this and he says, hey, listen, I'm going to ask you to repent of your greed. I want you to turn away from being greedy and start living generous. I want you to do more than just the minimum. I want you to be like this Macedonian churches and give beyond even your ability. And here's the thing, greed chains us into selfishness, doesn't it, friends? Greed chains us into selfishness. Now, let's pick up in verse number eight and see what Paul has to say to the church about greed and generosity. He says, but just as you abound in everything, he goes, man, you guys got it all, okay? You got faith, utterance, knowledge, earnestness, and love. We inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. He goes, man, you guys have been given so much. I want you to to be willing to give as much as you can. I'm not speaking this as a command because I'm not trying to put you under pressure and squeeze you down and get all like dictatorial on you. But as proving through the earnestness of others, the sincerity of love, he says, hey, listen, if you love God, then show your love by helping uh, in this particular cause. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that, that, through you, that, that you through his poverty might become rich. He's referring to when Jesus left the glory of heaven, the riches of heaven, and he even set his own glory aside, and Jesus came down to earth, and that he, tra- he, he took on poverty so that you and I could be rich in salvation and rich spiritually. Amen. Aren't you glad of that today? Man, praise God for that. And then notice what he says, I give my opinion on this matter. I'm just going to, he's given some godly counsel, for this is to your advantage, who were the first to begin a year ago, not only to do this, but also a desire to do it, but now finished doing it so that just as there was readiness to desire it, so there might also be a completion of it by your ability. In other words, when Paul came to them and said, hey guys, there is a need in Jerusalem and I'm gonna, we're going to take up a collection and just want to let you know about it. He didn't coerce them. He didn't put on sort of sales pitch. They came to him and said, Paul, we would like to help. So they responded that they wanted to give as much as they could. He says, listen, you said this a year ago that you wanted to do it. So now follow through on your commitment. Now, so here's Paul. In summary, Paul tells how to protect against greed. How do we do that? Well, as we look in this text, we properly use the resources that God has blessed us with. How many of you guys agree here this morning, you say, God has blessed me? Come on. Yes. Do you know that we live in an extremely wealthy nation? I mean, if you compare ourselves to other nations, we're a very wealthy nation. I know sometimes it costs a living and all that, but we really are, okay? We properly use our resources that God has blessed us with. So God's given us things or resources, let's use those for the Lord. We personally act on our vows that we've made to God and to other people. So when we think about this, think about how God has provided for our needs. Um, by the way, time out. Is it hot in here? Yep. Yeah, it is? Making you sick? Okay. Okay. Okay, it just must be hot up here. Okay, all right. Okay. Okay, all right. Thanks. Sorry, man, sorry. Well, I don't want people passing out on me, right? Okay. If you feel like you need to cool off or get a drink, that's fine. Get up and get and do that if you feel like you need to. Uh, so here's God's providence in, in His children's lives. God wants us to be a funnel, not just a reservoir. You know, it's one thing for us to save money, and that's good that we should save, but it's another to hoard things. Uh, You guys, you know, just a a few hours from here is the Hoover Dam. Who's ever been to the Hoover Dam before, right? The Hoover Dam is a place where it collects water, right? But the Hoover Dam isn't just about collecting water. The Hoover Dam releases water, right? And we think about this is that in the same way, God does not want us to be uh, greedy, like a closed-up dam. God wants us to, to let it loose. He wants to funnel through us so that we can bless others so that God can also bless us for blessing other people. Amen. So let's move on. Second uh, Corinthians 8 verse 12, he says, for if the readiness is present, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Now, it, this, is a, this is one of those things that there's, a, there's this argument that happens sometimes in, in the Christian circles where people will say they got this twisted idea of what, they're, of what God expects of them in generosity. And I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard these excuses. I used to make these excuses, but things like, hey, you know, I don't have it to give, so I won't, <laughs> or asking me to give is, is asking too much, or if I made more money then I would give. And so we can, we, can, we can offer all those type of excuses up to God. God here's the thing, God is not asking us, uh, as He says here, He says giving out of what we have, not what we don't have. He's not asking us to go into debt to give. Um, he, our giving to God comes out of what we already have today. It's not based on if we get a raise next year, it's what we have in our hands now. You guys ever read the Old Testament about the tabernacle, when the tabernacle was being built, right? So, um, you know, Moses is in the wilderness with the children of Israel, and God says, hey, I want to build a tabernacle so there's a place where we can meet, okay? Now, when they were building the tabernacle, the people gave from what they already had. In other words, they, they gave out of their own resources that they had in their hands. And they said, God, we're going to give this. And in fact, they gave so much that Moses said, hey, quit giving because you guys are giving too much. That's crazy, right? So, uh, so they gave out of what they had. Here's the thing. God says, listen, what you have is what I've already given you for, to be a funnel to supply for the activity that I have. And it's, it's a privilege to actually be involved in the activity of God and being generous in that aspect. So each of us holds resources. We all have resources in our possession. Now, I want you to think about this in a different way. What resources do you have that need to be totally available to God? Maybe you've got a vehicle. I know many of us in this country, we've got more than one vehicle, don't we? And it's like, how can we use our vehicle to bless other people? Uh, Maybe our home, uh, the home that we live in, how can we use that for ministry? You know, think about the possessions that we have uh, at our home. Maybe we think about maybe, um, you know, maybe there's a bed that we have, an extra bed, so maybe someone could stay there temporarily, or we give that bed away. Or you say, well, what, you know, what about a washer and dryer? So, oh, my pastor, you want to give my washer and dryer away? No, no, no. I still want you to have clean clothes. Maybe somebody else doesn't have a washer and dryer, and you need to let them maybe use use your washer and dryer. And uh, to, you know, to, to get clean laundry and such. Maybe you've got a freezer, a pantry, you've got food. Whatever it is that you have that you would allow God to use those particular resources. Um, so here's the thing. Greed enslaves us uh, to live for ourselves, our status and satisfying our wants. But generosity frees us to experience God's full blessings. You guys ever, ever said that? You know that quote in the Bible? It says, uh, uh, it's more blessed to... Give than to receive. How many of us really believe that? How many of us actually practice that? Here's, here's the thing. And I'm not trying to, to jump on people's case, but listen. Only 3%, this is a national state, only 3% of Jesus followers actually tithe. But over 90% will say it's more blessed to give than to receive. There's, there's a disparity there. There's like, okay, if we say that, we, we, say that, we quote that, we believe that, are we actually living that? Are we saying, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive? It's good to receive, but it is more blessed to give. There's an American theologian said this. He said, if it's more blessed to give than to receive, then most of us are content to let the other fellow have the greater blessing. <laughs> you know? Think about that. Think about that quote. You know, We're more content to let the other guy have the other blessing. In other words, hey, listen, God, God has given us resources. And when God has full access to the resources that are in our possession, then we can experience a full blessing from God. Uh, Let's kind of wrap this up if we can. Uh, What else does Paul say about the danger of greed? Look at verse 13 to 15. For this is not for the ease of others and for your affliction, but by way of equality at this present time, your abundance being a supply for their need, so that their abundance also may become a supply for your need, so that there may be equality. As it is, much as written, uh, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little had no lack. Now, there's a lot of people who interpret this as a redistribution of wealth, you know, make the richer poorer and the poorer richer. That is not what Paul is saying. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that you'll always have the poor with you, okay? I'll always have the poor with us. When I think about greed, um, there's probably a, a greed motto. Here's the greed motto. Uh, get all I can, can all I get. Sit on my can and poison the rest. <laughs> that's the that's the greed motto. You know, get all I can, can all I get. Sit on my can and poison the rest. That's that's what greed does. Greed. Um, the Old Testament word for greed is covet. Okay, we've heard you know, thou shalt not covet in the Ten Commandments. Greed and coveting have many forms. Greed um, accumulates idols. It uh, has a tendency uh, to go to hoard. It, uh, it steals from others. It manipulates other people's wealth. It, it leads to gluttony and addictions and uh, seeking attention and fame and recognition. It, it, it greeds for those things. It's, it's, it's hungry for that. It's never content with what it has. It always wants more. And then when it gets more, it still wants more. You see, I want to say this. Greed is not an economical issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. It's not an economical issue. Greed is not caused by having a lot or having a lack. Greed is caused by the lust in our heart. It's not by lack, it's not by a lot. It's by the lust in our heart to have. Uh, You guys will probably finish this sentence too. The love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. evil. And I started thinking about that, that what Paul wrote to Timothy. If if the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, then I I think the opposite, that the love of God is a root of all sorts of generosity. The love of God and the love for God leads to generosity. You know, um, I started thinking about tithing, Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of people that, you know, get antsy with that particular concept of giving. But tithing, I started thinking, you know, tithing is not just tied to faith. Tithing is tied to love. In fact, if you go back to the the book of Malachi when he talks about testing him and tithing, if you go back to chapter 1 of Malachi, verse 2, he starts off in questioning the people of God about their love and devotion to God. It's like, wait, that's kind of like this whole thing of Malachi kicks off about people's love and devotion. So I started thinking about that, that the reason that I tithe is because I love God. I value God more than my money. I used to not be like that. I used to value my money more than God. And God showed me I had a problem when Jesus talked about that you can't serve two masters, you can't serve God, and you can't serve money. I had a problem with that years ago. It's because I was elevating my adoration of money over God. And so I started realizing this, that tithing is like, no, it's, it's, it's about my love for God, over my love for money. It's me saying, okay, God, I, I care enough about you that I'm going to give this, but God, I'm going to trust you because I love you that you're going to provide what I need and the rest of what is left over. How we give isn't about how much is in our hands, but it's our expression of an unselfish and loving heart. True generosity is not being pressured to give. True generosity is is a pleasure to give. It's like I get joy in giving. I get joy in helping. I get joy in maybe helping a brother or sister in Christ with their need. If I can, out of what I have, if I can do that, then I will. It brings me pleasure. It's not a pressure thing. It's a pleasure thing. Generosity gives in a bear market. Generosity gives in a bull market. Generosity gives when it has and generosity gives when it doesn't have. On the opposite, greed takes in a bear market. It takes in a, bear, in a bull market. It takes when others have and it takes when others do not have. Greed enslaves people. I guess well, I want you to do this as we come to a close. I want you guys to put out your hands in front of you. And I, I want you to take one of your hands and I want you to put, make a closed fist. And I want you to leave the other one open. Okay? Now, you say, why, why are we doing this? Well, here's, here's the illustration. This fist, you know, and we, when we think about a fist, you know, it's an aggression thing too. But when you, when you have a fist, you're holding on, right? That's a symbol of greed. This open hand is a symbol of generosity. God does not want us to live like this, nor does He want us to live like this. God wants us to live like this. Jesus said, freely you've received So freely give. You receive in one hand that you can put it in this hand to give. See, this whole idea about generosity is that God gives so that we can give. So we get to give, and we get to give, and we get to give. Amen? We get to give. We keep getting so we can keep giving, and we keep giving, we keep getting. And God just, it's awesome how that truth works. Amen? So come to a close. I know what you're thinking. Some of you are probably thinking in your mind. Say, Pastor, okay, I get it. Man, you've just hit the point. Boom, you've nailed it. You want me to give willingly. You want me to give by faith. You want me to give because I love God. You don't want me to be greedy, but you want me to be generous. How do I live and how do I give generously? I got bills, mountains of debt. I got mouths to feed. Well, the answer to that is that you have to come back next week. (laughs) Okay? All right? You're like, well, some of you are like, praise God, because it's kind of hot in here, and I'm about to pass out. You know, we already, have, we already lost two people, but, but you got to come back next week, because I'm going to show you a secret on a thing called grace giving. It's a supernatural truth that when we receive, that we're able to give. It's just amazing, amazing truth on how God makes that happen, and it's an awesome thing to experience and walk in. So I want you to come back next week and find out, man, how you can actually live a generous life. I love this brother right here. He's got a shirt on. He says, live generously. And that's what we want to do. If we're going to wear the t-shirt, we're going to we're going to live it, right? Amen. And I know this brother lives generously. So, let's do that.